0: Thank you. Uh, I have uh, a big book uh, in, my, in my office, in my library. Uh, it's there mostly for show, okay? Because it's a 1,000-page book, okay? I don't, don't let professors fool you. We, we really don't read those. We just use those for show. And there's one uh, by Dermot McCullough on the history of Christianity. I mean, it's this thick, all right? And I, to be honest, I just read the introduction, Okay? But there's a great quote in the introduction. Here's what he says. <laughs> in 2009, Christianity has more than 2 billion adherents. More than four times its number than 1,900. A third of the world's population. And more than a half a billion more than its current nearest rival, Islam. I don't know about you, But to consider the fact that this movement began back in the book of Acts and the second floor of a house in Jerusalem filled with 120 people praying, that's pretty amazing. In Acts, we are on the ground floor of a revolution. Something big is stirring, the world's about to change. Already the Holy Spirit has moved in some very overt ways. Uh, People speaking in languages that were previously unknown to them. God is using uh, ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Even having 3,000 saved at one time. Last week we saw that these young converts were meeting daily. And God was adding to them daily. and, And they had four primary activities. They were teaching, serving fellowshipping, and worshiping. Today we come to chapter 3. It is our first individual miracle story in the book of Acts. There's going to be a lot more to come, but today's the first one. So I would invite you to turn to Acts chapter 3. In verses 1 to 10, where our story will originate. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, about three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that's called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. Peter said, look at us. And the man fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And Peter took him by the right hand and he raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, the man stood and he began to walk. And he entered the temple with him. Walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw this man walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. <laughs> May the Lord add his blessing to the, to the reading of his word. When you read a story... Uh, an account of an event uh, like this miracle that we have in Acts chapter 3, the storyteller will help direct us and give us clues to the most important parts of the event. Now, one of the things a storyteller will use is what we call plot development. uh, As the scene will build to a climax or, or to some pivot point, in the story. It's, it's what every event is leading up to, and it's it's what changes everything that comes after. The pivot point, uh, the climax. I mean, who can forget the movie? Braveheart. Sometimes, sometimes those events, sometimes those pivot points just come in a phrase. Freedom, right? Well, that's what's happening in, in Acts chapter 3. Peter is pointing us to a phrase. As the pivot point. In verse 6, when Peter says, I, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I'm always amazed at the irony embedded in this story. Uh, If you go back to verse uh, 5, verse 4, when Peter says, look at us, and Peter fixes his attention, right, on this man. And this man now expects to receive something. If you've ever been to a big city and you have people begging for money, the usual move, right, is not to make eye contact. Maybe flip a coin over your shoulder, but not you don't make eye contact. You build up expectations. But that's not what Peter and John did. He looked right at him. Look at me. And then he says, I don't have any silver and gold. Man. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up. I think Peter said that with a wink. The lame man was looking for a few coins and Peter and John were offering him his legs. He had no idea what he was dealing with. The storyteller uses pivot points, but the storyteller also uses repetition to help us see what's important. Um, When you look at Luke's record uh, throughout the book of Acts, he focuses on the name of Jesus 21 different times. And in fact, these first four chapters, he does it 10 times. So Luke is trying to get our attention this morning. By using repetition, by using a story with a powerful, pivotal moment, he wants us to focus our eyes on this phrase, in the name of Jesus. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at that phrase and find three lessons that we learn by focusing on the name of Jesus. Three lessons. The first lesson, in the name of Jesus, there is authority. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, there is authority. Now, name, what's in a name? Uh, The use of the name is not incidental in biblical texts because it's more than a label. A name in the biblical times represents a person. An extension of that person's power and significance and authority. In fact, name is so important that back in Leviticus 24, just to blaspheme the name of the Lord was a death sentence. So when, when Peter invokes the name of Jesus, he's calling upon his authority. It was the name of Jesus that Peter would use to offer salvation. In Acts chapter two, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. But it wasn't just knowledge about the name, it was faith in the name. Acts chapter three, in his name, by faith in his name has made this man strong. But it wasn't just any name. Jesus' name was the only name. In Acts chapter four, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The name is so powerful. It's so significant. Even the religious leaders recognize the threat. And they warned Peter and the rest of the apostles to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. To understand the authority of the name of Jesus is a key idea when we read the book of Acts. Peter and John, see, they're, they're simple fishermen. <laughs> There's nothing special in them. Uh, they have no authority in themselves to do anything but catch fish. But what, what Jesus uh, began, he's continuing in them. You see, now they are under the authority of Jesus' name. They're being used to heal a layman. Through Jesus' authority, they perform that miracle. Now, like I said, this is the first of many miracles we're going to see in the book of Acts. So I just want to make a few comments about the role of miracles uh, in the Bible. You see, miracles are not in the Bible for the sake of miracles. Okay, Miracles are not just there to look at. Miracles for, perform a function. In this case, miracles are signs of authentication. They tell us who matters and why they matter. They're signs of authentication. They're not being in the name of Jesus is not a magic incantation. It's rather a focus on the person of Jesus and who what he represents.